Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And today I'm very excited for our episode because it's a uh, it's a guy who I've known for a while and haven't kept in the best touch of because, you know, life gets in the way, but it was so good catching up with him. We got Matt Hassenmuller on the show. Yeah, it was a pleasure chatting with Matt. It was my first time ever actually speaking to him, but I do not think that will show in this episode. The dude is a pro in all of the many different things he does. A podcast, his own music, which I think you'll be able to find out as this episode goes on. And you find out he's actually a monster salesman, so that was something new that I didn't know about him. Yeah, and you know, something else you guys might not know about us, every Wednesday at noon, our band The Stash is going to be throwing up acoustic videos of us performing our own songs original music so if you like what you've heard from us in the past we know we speak about it all the time but it's because it really matters to us and we hope that these covers and these videos will matter to you we've been putting our all into them so check out our instagram the stash ny ny is in new york every wednesday for just us jamming and having a good time yeah and something else that we put all of our energy into is this podcast which has been going strong for a while now this is like episode 24 or something like that 24 right? 24 that's crazy and it's all because of you guys and if you could continue to show all that love and support for all the social medias at talking podcast everywhere you know follow us like rate subscribe review preferably five stars if you're gonna leave a review it would really help us out and we just want to keep bringing you guys great episodes with great guests it started with a turn of attention and we go on and go on and go on now this is my intervention Move along, move along, move along episode i'm very excited to bring you all we're here with matt hassenmuller i hope i said that right from matt's house and the millennium what is up matt hey what's up man what's up guys hey man was i close at least with uh, how to say your last name you did pretty good uh that's how i say it so i depending on who you are <laughs> in my family you may say it differently based on like how german you decide to take it yeah yeah but i just say hassenmuller it's easy it's 
it's a shitty last name anyway. Like it's a nice last name. I shouldn't say it's shitty, but <laughs> it 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 does has caused me multiple issues. I couldn't spell it till I was in like third grade. Dude. I have to spell it all the time on the phone. <laughs> Dude, I get it. As uh, someone who also has a very European last name, and I mean to brag, oh, you know, yeah, my you parents sure are do. from Europe. Like, so I think that gave me an edge to try to read yours. But I definitely have also had to like be like, I don't know where you're getting these made up letters from, but you're not saying my name right. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone tries to put two S's in it. Uh, everything, every award over one is spelt wrong. And it's <laughs> like, seriously, I it's a real problem. They always want to put two S's in it. It's just the one. Does it, does it mean something cool at least? It does. Okay, so Mueller is like a very common German last name. Right, um, I know it, about Mueller. Yes. Oh, look at you. Fuck. Yeah, dude, I watch uh, soccer. Uh, so yeah, so that's a very common German last name. It means like a miller, um, which I think is like bread or beer or something. I don't know. I think they make flour but, or something. If I'm remembering sounds... correctly from where in time is Carmen San Diego. Yes, yeah. So, uh, but uh, Hassan Mueller means a miller with a hair lip, which means that like I descend, anybody with my last name descends from one guy who was a miller who had a hair lip, which is kind of cool. because. Wow. It must have been a joke or something like that. That's I don't know. I think it's cool. It's and it's wow. uncommon. Like if it's a Hassan Mueller, I'm I'm related. That's yeah, cool. That that's how I feel about my last name too. Yours sounds yours sounds a lot cooler, you know, Hassan Mueller. Then like yeah, maybe I should lay into it instead of yeah. trying to Americanize it. I should put some umlauts in yeah, there. Get that really fuck shit up. <gasps> how do you even go about like how do you Americanize it? You say Hassan Mueller. Hassan Mueller. Yeah, my name's Matthew okay. Hassan Mueller. Gotcha. I'm from Minnesota. Just <laughs> yeah, kidding. I, I, know say... I know you're not from Minnesota. Uh, yeah, close enough, though. I'm only an hour from the border. True. Well, nice. where, where are you from, man? Uh, Wisconsin. Fun, ah, fun cool. fact about Wisconsin. In eighth grade, we took a states test, and you had to write down, you know, you, they gave you a blank map of the states, and you write all the names in. And Wisconsin was the only one that I forgot. Yeah, well, we kind of get lost <laughs> in the Midwest there. Yeah, it's like I had all of them down in the exact spot where they all needed to go, and there was one empty one. I was like, I cannot for the life of me remember the name of the only state that I didn't write down already. Like, that, there's <laughs> only, I'm convinced there's only 49. I think this one's made up. <laughs> Dude, that's what I kind of like about it here, though, is that we do kind of just get – people don't think about Wisconsin existing. It's definitely it under the radar. Under the, yeah, for sure. That's what I was going to say. It flies under the radar. Uh, but – to me and i've you know i've been all over the place i like here is really nice like where i live it's you know you can get kind of like into like hillbilly territory out here but like where i live it's like a college town mm -hmm. it's like there's lots of arts it's beautiful everywhere like the landscape is awesome it's like relatively cheap to live there's plenty of room for everybody like on the east coast there's like restaurants with 20 minute policies like that would never happen here. I used to hang out at McDonald's for like six hours with my friends in high school. Like we loitered the shit out of that. <laughs> and I, it's you, like only only in the Midwest. Damn. Are you still near? Um, was it all Claire? Eau Claire? It, Eau Claire. Yeah, I'm Eau still Claire. in Eau Claire. Yeah. OK. I never knew how to say that. It's three vowels in a row. Like how am I supposed to read that? Yeah, it's French. <laughs> Damn, French or the we German? Were, we last were named. Name? Yeah, we were named. We were named by fur traders. Wow, that's and they, and they went with Eau Claire. It's rare that someone knows the history of where they're from, at least in my interactions. So true. Really? <laughs> well, there's. You know what? Eau Claire people here are like really into Eau Claire. Like they had a <laughs> last year. They had a special on our 
on TV on local channel, uh, like a documentary about the history of our town that I watched, and it was fun. Like I was like, hell yeah! Wow. Like it was essentially like a logging town, and like after fur trading and fur trapping, it was a logging town, and so everything here is like either Native American words or like French stuff. It's cool. There's a lot. It was like the Wild West. There was brothels and bars everywhere. It's cool. Wow. So what did you say you did again? Historian or? (laughs) (laughs) No, dude, I just read things. I just like information. Welcome back to learning with Andrew and Chris. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, The only thing I know about my hometown, Carmel, New York, is that Sybil Ludington rode through on her ride to be like, yo, the British are coming. And I only know that because there's a statue of her in my town. But dude, nice. that's she, like, cool, gas up or something. I mean, that's cool. And like my sister has a lot of pride for Sybil Ludington because she feels that she doesn't get enough recognition and that Paul Revere gets all of it. But I'm like, well, Paul Revere, yeah, I didn't know Paul Revere is such a ball hog. OK, but he also probably <laughs> he was, pro- you know, he saw them first. True. She wasn't up in the yeah. tower, you know, like it was a team effort. I don't know why people. Right. Try to, I didn't you know. know, dude. I didn't I didn't know about that until now. So. Whoa. I gotta read up. On, I gotta read up on Sybil. Yeah, for my sister's sake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She really reps Sybil Ludington hard, and it's like, listen, she did something that I definitely couldn't have done. Like she was like thirteen and rode to like, like a lot of towns, like a lot of towns, and was like, "Yo, you gotta get up out of here. We about to die." So like, she definitely saved a lot of people, which is pretty cool for a thirteen. She was a real one. She was a real one. Yeah. Dude, teenagers used to be so cool. And now they're just like Fortnite and Jules. Dude, well, okay, yeah. but I think also, I, I agree. I definitely agree. But I think another reason why teenagers used to be so cool is because you would die at 40. Right, you were middle aged. You know, you had to, yeah, you were middle aged first off. And you had to yeah. fit way more into such a shorter amount of time. So what you're like, we have the luxury to drink Arizona and yep. play Fortnite all day now if we want. And it's like you're not, right. you're really yeah. not missing much. Yeah, your childhood <laughs> was over at six. Yeah, you're saying 28 is the new 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty yeah, much, yeah, man. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess some of them were even married at like 15, 16 back in the day. So yeah, for sure. If I was married at 15 or 16, I would... Dude, you'd have a fucking about... farm that you were in charge of as a 12-year-old. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I, don't yeah, even I, like, I don't even like being in charge of AutoZone when the store manager leaves. Right. I played yeah. Farmville, and that was stressful. Ooh, I was Dude, nice I at Farmville. Yeah, yeah. I was committed to that. My math class grade was not committed because I was so committed to... I remember it was like 11th grade geometry and I was like, ooh, Farmville though. Shit goes hard yeah. now. I know squares. I'm putting the fucking... In the right squares. I got yeah, it all this going. is all geometry. Dude, I would leave social hangouts to, to harvest my crops. This was before smartphones. I would yeah, go wow. home. I would drive home to harvest my crops and go back and I would tell people and they'd be like, you're a nerd. I'd be like, I don't care. I need... Those blackberries need to be harvested, and I need to plant another crop <laughs> yeah, so I can not, harvest before bed. They're not going to harvest themselves, guys. <laughs> now, Matt, yeah. let me tell you something. When we go to post the description for this show, we like to include like three things that we co- we covered in the episode. And never yeah. did I think when creating this show that I'd be like, yeah, we, and this week we spoke about his music, his podcast, in Farmville. Yeah. <laughs> we spoke about the history of, of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We talked about Farmville. Great. We talked about how teenagers suck. It was a great episode. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm cynical, though. I used to work at Zoomies. And so, like, I'm Ooh. done with teenagers. I'm teenagers out. Yeah, I worked dude, at Paxson, so I get it. Oh, you scare get it, the shit out of me, man. They, you the know living what? No shit one, out of me 
they have so much energy and like hormone primal hormonal rage is a strong word but like yeah man they're i always i i always told my coworkers i i discovered why teenage boys are so annoying it's because they're old enough to know like they want blowjobs but not old enough to know how to get them yeah dude and so there's just like they want it and they they see girls and they but they don't know how to talk to them like they're just like trying anything dude absolutely to try and relieve some tension and and half the time they don't even know that the answer is that they want a blowjob it's like they're just like they don't even know like why do i have all this energy and i just want to punch stuff Dude, they. Why do I need to vape in this guy's store? Yeah. And run around, <laughs> and then and then they finally get a girlfriend, and then they're like, "This is what I've been waiting for. This is what it's all been about." And then they become adults. Yeah, and then if you're in my town, you get married at like 19. Dude, that's. <laughs> I'm 25, and I could not be married right now. Yeah, uh, sounds you know what? awful. I, when I was 18, I said 23 sounded good. When I was 23, I said 26. When I was 26. I said like 30 and now I'm 28 and I'm like, maybe 35. <laughs> it's, it, it keeps growing. Well, you you know, I guess it's, it's one of those things that like, how do you really put like a pin on that? Yeah. How do you know when you're really ready until you're like, this is the girl. They say you only know when you know. So if you don't know, I hate then when you don't know stuff. You I know what I'm saying? That. They're yeah, like, listen, I... <laughs> if you know, then you know. I'm like, right. But I don't know. So how do I know when I know? And they're like, you'll know. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, I don't know anything. <laughs> I I've just resided to uh no longer seeking and just waiting to see, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I learned that from an episode of Friends when Rachel was wow. trying to get a guy and he just wasn't interested and she was like, "You know what? I'm just going to stop putting myself out there and I'm just going to let Russell Crowe find me." And I was like, "I'm just going to wait for Russell Crowe to find me, too." Yeah. I think we <laughs> all need to wait for, for Russell Crowe. I'm just, oh, listen, man. he's a really nice guy, and I know he knows some nice girls, so that's got to be cool. Why didn't Russell Crowe want Jennifer Aniston Dude, in the 90s? I, in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And that was pre-Brad Pitt, so it's not even like she was shacked up or anything. It was just like, come on, dude. Oh, they dated. Oh, yeah, they dated. Dude, they were married. Yeah. Good yeah. for Brad. Good. And, and Jen. <laughs> And Jeff. yeah, yeah, good they, for them. They man. had they had, they a had, good had a tough lives, so it's nice that yeah. they got a little something nice for for themselves in there somewhere along the line. You know what? It probably sucks to be famous. Everyone's yeah. seeking fame these days, and I bet it sucks. There's just a whole list of problems we probably have no idea about that they See, deal with a, every day. Now there's a song in there somewhere. That's the thing about <laughs> that's the thing about problems. You don't know until you got them, dude. And it's like Russell Crowe. I mean, look at Jay-Z, bro. He's like one of the biggest rappers in the world, and he still has 99 problems. Yeah, but you know what? One isn't Beyonce. Well, not always. Actually, no. There's some drama there recently, I believe. Oh, is there new drama, or is this like the Lemonade drama or like the Elevator drama? Didn't he cheat on her? Yeah, dude, that's what Lemonade is all about. I've never listened to Beyonce unless I've been drinking with girls. So I, I, I too only know the Beyonce hits. But uh, I'm I'm le- I'm told by many girls and many entertainment news outlets that that was pretty much an album that was like, hey Jay Z, you cheated on me, so I'm gonna write an entire album about it to blow you up. Like, but they're still together. Oh, they're still together, dude. They got a baby. Listen, wow. real couples work through that shit. Yeah, honestly, it's nice to see. It is kind of nice to see. I mean, you know, obviously we don't know what's going on under the hood, so to speak, but. I would yeah. assume right. most of those famous relationships they last like a year and a half, and people are like, "Wow, that's a long time for a Hollywood relationship." All so. right, now let me let me ask you if Jay Z and Beyonce's relationship was a car, what 
car would it be that that hood hmm. that their relationship is under? I'm going to say a BMW because it's a nice car. Everybody wants it. But then when you get the car and something breaks, you're like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, super expensive to fix. You need the exact part. You can't just throw any old part in there. But then once you get those right parts in there, that car is going to be pretty freaking sweet. Fair enough. Here's the thing. I don't know anything about cars. I just thought that that would be a funny question. Dude. I would just yeah, I mean, I know nothing about cars. Yeah, I, only know, I only know anything about cars because I work at AutoZone. So oh, yeah, true. You're talking to a oh, fucking expert, Matt. Dude, you just type everything it. in that computer. You just type my make and model. Yeah, and dude, I don't know anything. Bro, when I was getting, when I was in my interview there, it was the store manager, the district manager, and the assistant store manager. And like at least six times, I was like, I cannot emphasize to you guys enough how little I know about cars, just so <laughs> you guys know. And they're like, it literally doesn't matter. You just search it on the computer. I'm like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> you then, know what I then like? Then fine. And now I'm a manager, so. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. You know what I like about AutoZone is I feel like they're knowledgeable. That's why I go there. <laughs> Dude, and they're not. But well, they've changed my windshield wipers a few times and my battery. Okay, listen. Changing a battery, changing windshield wipers, changing 80% of headlights is dumb easy. Like anybody can do it as long They'll do yeah. they'll do my headlights for me. Um if we don't have to remove anything from the vehicle then hell yeah. What do you mean remove? Like, if we need a tool to, like, unscrew we something. Can or if we, we, need... we can cut this. No, dude, this is great. This is great entertainment. You, like, if no, we have dude, to... I'm about it. If I mean... we have to remove the entire headlight, we're not doing it. Because if we put it back and it's wrong and then your headlight goes out and then you get into a crash, then AutoZone's liable. You know oh. what I'm saying? I ain't trying to go to jail because I'm bad at putting in headlights. And there's a mm-hmm. woman I work with who's worked at this AutoZone for 11 years. And she straight up is like, listen, I don't change batteries. I don't do headlights. Maybe I'll change a wiper, but probably not. And I'm like, damn. she. she it's a good point, though, the whole, liability, read, the whole liability aspect. Yeah, and people yeah don't she read that. the fine print. Although then there are people who come in and they're like, yo, uh, can you change my oil? I'm like, no, I'm not a mechanic. And they're like, well, they did it last time. I'm like, you're insane because there's no AutoZone that changes <laughs> oil. Like, I don't know where <laughs> yeah. you went, but it wasn't here. Wow. That's fucking. That's customer service. Kathy's going through oh, just man. demanding. Dude, honestly, just AutoZone aside, retail is just. It, there's nothing like working in retail. Oh, dude, nothing teaches you about the human condition like retail. <sighs> it is. It is very important. I think everyone should do it. You know how, like in Israel, you have to be in the army for five years. I think mm-hmm. here. And I think a lot of kids are. You have to work retail for, I think, at least three years. At, l- at least. Because, like, in the first two years, you're like, oh, man, like, this store sucks. But then you go to, like, one other store and you're like, oh, man, it's just people that kind of suck. Yeah. Not it's even just people. Cus- it's just customers. customers. Yes. As soon as they step into somewhere where they can yeah. spend money, it, they just become some so entitled. Some of that entitled. power dynamic that really gets people. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. They're mad on the power. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. drunk no, on power. You want to know? You know, one of the worst customers I ever had at the mall were Sunday morning, post-church, mm. or, like, post-coitus customers. <laughs> like, it, it was always, like, couples who, like, had probably spent the morning making love, which is fine, good for you, oxytocin, rushing through their veins, or it was, like, white families jazzed up on God juice, and oh, everyone yeah. was, like, super, like... <laughs> Kind of like loopy, having a good time, didn't have a care in the world, but they were so entitled because mm-hmm. they they 
thought they had it all figured out, like that mentality, like they were living in a paradise, like a consumer paradise where they're just walking around enjoying themselves. This sounds like they're not living a good life, but for me, it was hell. (laughs) Dude, it's terrible because then you're watching them and they're like, oh, look at this shirt. And then they pick it up and then they just drop it. And you're like, okay, whatever. You you do that once and then you follow and then you watch them and they do it with like seven shirts in seven different spots. And you're like, yo, do you really need to pick it up? If you're just gonna like drop it, is that what you do at home? You pick stuff up and you're like, never mind, and you just drop it on the floor. Like, like what is that? Who taught you yeah, to do man. that? I think it's a good thing when people are like, stores are closing, malls are closing. I'm like, good riddance. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You obviously never do it all online, and it'll save learn. people some stress. Yeah. Why would you go to a store and put somebody through that? Ugh. Dude, and like, thank God this has never happened to me, but God forbid you're like at one of those stores and then like you get robbed or something. I'm like, I'm not trying to die for AutoZone. Like oh, if, dude, if some I dude if if oh some dude comes God. in to AutoZone and he's like, "Give me everything," I'm like, "Bro, first of all, put the gun away. It's not necessary. I don't give a crap about anything in this building. <laughs> yeah, that, Take whatever you want." Like, yeah, I don't. That, but has anyone ever tried that? Because I think a lot less people would get shot if they came with that line. Yeah, exactly. Just like because that bro, is like if someone not, said that to me, I'd be like, "Shit, really? Anything?" Yeah, I'm like, "Listen, okay. dude, I'm not gonna stop you." Like. You already established the dynamic here. You have the power. Just do whatever you got to do, yeah, bro. Yeah, listen, all I want to do is just walk out that door. <laughs> Here's the keys. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that. Yeah. I'm like, listen, dude, there are no cameras in here. You We're basically are I mean, already you should make that into free. something. Like, that sounds <laughs> yeah. like uh... I, I had a kid come in, and he threatened me with a weapon. He, had, he tried on a whole outfit, shoes, everything, and threatened me with a weapon and said he's taking everything unless I, and he's going to hurt me if I don't get out of the way. And I just let him go. I just stepped out of the way. And yeah. then I called, I called my manager and I was like, hey, this happened. Uh, I called the police. And he, my manager was basically like, that sucks, but like, you're not paid enough to really do anything, nor should you. Because exactly. like, we don't want to be held liable. But I've heard of people like chasing kids yeah. down for stealing. And I'm like, you get paid like 10 bucks, hopefully. Yeah, (laughs) if you're lucky, (laughs) and you're gonna just chase somebody down, like, dude. I think I think there's like uh, the fight or flight mentality though. Yeah, that kicks in, right? And it's I'm sure it's somewhat like like, it's somewhat like a pride thing where it's like this 12 year old kid thinks that he can walk into my store and take a watch. He's got another thing coming. But at the same time, I was working at a grocery store and this drunk dude. It was St. Patrick's Day. He was like drunk, and I was working the self scan area, which is like I stand at a computer screen watching everyone use the self-scan registers and if they have a problem i can fix it so this guy's standing at my podium and i'm like oh man this is very uncomfortable but like i don't really care that much then he's standing like where i need to stand like right in front of the screen i'm like yo bro i don't give a shit where you stand except (laughs) if you're standing at that exact spot so all you need to do is take a couple steps over and we'll be good and he was just like you can't tell me where to stand i was like i'm not trying to tell you where to stand i'm just saying you can't stand in that exact spot you can stand anywhere else and then I had to walk away, and as I was walking back, he just like took a knife out and was looking at me. I'm like, bro, we're in a grocery store. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not even telling. You're not even like trying to do anything. I'm just saying, take a step to the left. Yeah, and we had to call the police. Trying to help you, and the police came in and like tackled him to the ground. I'm like, guys, this dude's like a 65 year old drunk dude. You don't need to do this. Oh my god, it was a whole thing, and I'm like, all because he just felt like he needed to take a knife out because I asked him to take a step to the left. Like, where, where do these people come from? Dude, hurt people, hurt people, bro. 
hurt people hurt people. Dude, yeah, man. But, you truth. know, speaking of where people come from, Matt, I don't know anything about you, really, aside from, like, the few songs I've heard through through hanging out with Andrew and, and okay. just, like, checking out some of your podcasts. So why don't you, like, sort of take us back through your history as, like, a creator, I would say, because you, you wear many hats. Yeah, give us the local channel documentary on you. Okay, cool. <laughs> First of all, I want to say your segue skills are unparalleled. Chris is really, um, thanks, Chris is really good at connecting That's high praise. Topics. Thank you. You took us from grocery store self-scan knife crime to my life, which is it's just tough to do. So, yeah. But <laughs> I, I would achievement like unlocked podcast segue. Thank you, yeah, man. You I just appreciate got a it. on Xbox, dude. Uh, Hell yeah, add me, guitar god. <laughs> so I guess it all started. Um, I never really listened to music growing up. My my parents, we only listened to like church praise music um which is weird and i never really i don't really like church um so it was i I was just like i don't really like music and then i got a paper route i'm taking you guys way back oh we love it we're we're taking you all the way if you could remember the day you were born i would have loved you to start there yeah it was june 13th it was hot (laughs) sweltering summer um so anyway so i got a paper out and I knew I had interest in music, so I was like, I'm going to buy a CD. Uh, and there was a song. I had, like, when I would do my paper out, I had, like, a handheld radio that I had, and I liked this song by The Killers called um, – it was Mr. Brightside at the time. It was on. I mean, it's still, like, number one on the radio probably. Uh, and so I bought that record – and uh, another record caught my eye, which was Elephant by The White Stripes. Uh, which oh, the, it's, so it's the good. Seven, yeah, it's seven. I gotta say, like my first self-bought records, pretty good. I think I'm a pretty cool guy. White Stripes Dude, out of the gate is can, pretty good. Really quick, can I tell you the first two records I bought by myself? Yeah, go for it. Okay, the first one was What Separates Me From You by A Day to Remember, which wow. like you know not the worst, but like definitely not as cool as yours. And then the second one is debatably cooler, debatably uncooler, depending on who you ask. It was Elevate by Big Time Rush. I was there for that. Chris, and, Chris and I both went to Best Buy together and both bought that album together physically. Dude, Best Buy's where I bought music too. Dude, it's the only place to buy music. I had come from only... a, a small town. Like I had to drive 15 minutes to the Best Buy. Exactly. For me, it was uh, I got them both on the same day. It was American Idiot by Green Day, and then that, that was a that's a good one. That was a big one for you. Yeah, it was a big one for me too. Yeah, uh, everyone, everyone yeah. like around our age, what's right? The, what's the second one? Uh, Back in Black by a band called AC slash DC. I, th- oh, I think geez. I've heard of them. Little band out of Australia, right? Yeah. Small band. Small band. They're from Australia? Hell oh, yeah, yeah man. dude. Wow, so, mate. I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. But anyways, you buy those albums. I bought those items and I just started, or those albums, I just started listening to them on my paper route. I like bought a Discman or whatever CD player. And I was like, fuck, like these, this, these bands are awesome. Like, I love that this music is not church music, basically. Because even the CDs, like, uh, like my parents would buy me music and they'd try to relate to me and they'd buy me, like, Switchfoot. Okay, or, like, well, just, just be careful what Switchfoot you say. Rips. Switchfoot, Switchfoot and rips. Switchfoot and Newsboys both have hits. Okay, Switchfoot okay. rips more than Newsboys. I'm I will give you that. The <laughs> yeah, I agree. They definitely do. But... It was like the first, I felt like empowered by my musical choices. I was like, fuck yeah. So then I was like, well, cause I was in, I was like a middle schooler, like slash like right about to go into high school. So like I would have been like 13 or 14. 
uh, and I was making eighty dollars every two weeks. That's an insane amount of money for that for that age. I was like, I'm gonna buy a CD every week. Um, and so that led me down. I, just, I love like, that. That's where your head was at. I was like, I have all this money. I could buy a CD every week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. awesome. That's super inspiring. Because uh, I knew I liked it, so I bought CDs based on. I had no idea who any band was. I just bought CDs based on album artwork or like a song I heard on the radio. So like I bought the Lifehouse CD. I bought a Foo Fighters CD. I bought, I mean, I had bought everything. And then I got into a show on Fuse TV called Steven's Untitled Rock Show. Uh, and it was on like every day after school. And they had, it was like more like warp Tour scene stuff. So like that's where I found Taking Back Sunday, My Chemical Romance, Under Oath, I mean, Green Day, all these bands that totally blew the lid off for me. And those bands still had records in stores. Um, Like, so that I had a list. Like, every time I saw a music video I liked the sound of, I just list, I just wrote it on a list. I had my master list and I would just check it off every week. I would buy new CDs. And Best Buy, you could order CDs too. So I, I bought so much music. I was eventually, like, I had no friends. It's not sad. It's fine. I, I shouldn't have had friends. <laughs> it's um, fine, though. I, I was like a real nerdy kid. And then what happened was I found Blink-182, which like totally changed my life. Um, and I actually, at that point, I'm going to say, I, I discovered them on LimeWire, and I downloaded everything in one night. Nice. And that band changed like my DNA. Like I've always been kind of a witty person, like a witty kid. But I was like nervous to be around people. I didn't. I was like, I was a big kid, like a fat kid. So I was like, kind of bullied a lot. I didn't really have any identity other than like what people had said upon me. Like, but Blink One Eight Two, like taught me humor. Like their live record, uh, like taught me humor and like how to be funny and to not give a fuck. And like all in one year, I went from not having any friends and being like top of my class in grades to having way more friends that I could deal with prom king and failing every class, which is, Dude, we, it's a huge switch. I feel like Blink-182 would, would uh, be really happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, for sure <laughs> they true. would. Yeah. Uh, so that like changed everything. And then I was like, I'm going to do music. I'm going to be in a band. Uh, I enticed my parents to get me a bass guitar so that I could be in the jazz band. Uh, but really I just wanted to play like pop punk music and, Somewhere along the line, I was always into music, like I was in band and stuff like that. Um, and then some, like my dad's friend, who was like a band teacher when he was like growing up, uh, he was like an old guy, told him that I should always practice where people can hear me because I shouldn't be afraid to practice loud. Uh, and they really took that to heart. So until like 8 p.m., they let me play music as loud as, loud as I wanted, as long as I was playing bass guitar with it. Uh, which is a, I realize now as like I get older, that was a huge, huge thing. Cause I would just print off tabs for everything from ultimate guitar. And I would learn, I would learn songs front to back, like records front to back, like simple plan, fucking everything. I would just learn front to back, blink way to anything. And then, uh, I liked it. I liked a girl my senior year and she told me I should join choir cause I needed guys. And I never sang before this point. And I was like, maybe. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I, talked know, the choir, I talked to the choir director, and I was like, yeah, I'm for sure like a bass singer. Like I was trying to be like manly, and he's like, no, you have a high voice. And I'm like, no, don't tell me that. Like I was like trying to be this manly guy. 
He's like, well, why don't you just come in for like a lesson during like one of your classes? And I was like, yeah, a class? That sounds great. And so <laughs> he brought me in. And all this time I had been me- I had been like meddling with screaming in my bedroom while playing bass, like many screamers at the time. Uh, and so like, I never sang. I'd only screamed. But like he gave me a test on singing. And he's like, you're telling me you never sang before. Like your voice is very developed. Your diaphragm is like you can hold notes longer than anybody else I've heard. I, he's like, you're really good. And I was like, what? I'm really good. And uh, So like I joined choir and then it was like the rest is history. And I almost wanted to drop out of school because I hated school so much. I only liked music, but my choir teacher would just let me skip class. Well, I hate to say this now, but it was what it, no, one's, <laughs> no one from my school is going to listen to this. He, he was like, I don't want you skipping school anymore because I was skipping school all the time. Uh, He's like, don't skip school. If you want to like skip class, I'll write you a pass. If you come down to the choir room and like we can work on your voice, or you can practice in one of the practice rooms, like your parts for the show for like choir That's and stuff like so that. So clutch. So yeah, man. That's another so thing cool. Is, another thing too is like I was like a shithead kid, but like everyone, all the teachers really liked me. Like I, I wasn't. You were disrespectful. No, I wasn't like mean. I was just like they're like you need to do this worksheet. And I'd be like. I don't yeah. like, I would just say, like, I remember oh, my, man. like my social studies teacher, he would like pass out homework or something like that. And I would give it back to him and be like, don't waste this on me. I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't, <laughs> that was I me in one no, class. I had no interest. Like a lot of, I was just talking about this last night. Like we had so many assignments that were just busy work to show that you listened in class. Like they would give you worksheets before class to like hand it at the end to make sure you like listened or like you'd watch a video and do it alongside I can't do two things at once like that. And I understood. I was just like, I'll just listen and learn and soak it up. Like, I don't need to do this. Like, there's so many things like that where I just did not understand why I would need to do the busy work. That's just harder for me. But I just never understood the grades part. Like, getting good grades never made sense. I just want to soak it in. And I don't even feel dumb. I like I got bad grades. I don't even know if I graduated. Again, I was talking about this last night with somebody. <laughs> I wa- I walked. Um, but I don't think I ever got a diploma. Like I got one of those temporary diplomas, but I never, I don't, I don't know. My mom could have put it away cause she knew that I would lose it, which is very true. I probably would have lost it or burned it or thing. Um, <laughs> but I've never felt like I'm behind anybody. I went to college for one semester, but the thing is like, no one's going to check if I graduated high school, like I can keep up in conversation and I, I know a lot of things like no one's going to think straight white guy didn't graduate truthfully <laughs> no one's yeah. gonna double honestly no gonna double check that when i'm in the interview they're gonna be like this guy i don't think he graduated high school like, i totally, I, totally yeah. I mean like he seems cool but like something about him seems like he never got a diploma yeah and if <laughs> yeah, they're right? and if that is where they go well then the whole situation has a bigger problem that's true like, and yeah. i'll tell you i don't know if i've gotten any jobs ever because i graduated high school I think I always think about the. I always think like school is really messed up, and I, if I could have gone to a different form of school, I could have been much more successful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, the way the way the school system is set up, it created resistance from me, and I wouldn't be the person I was today if I wasn't resisting what the what the like you know what the way to be was, or like what the the form of school was. So I think it's important that maybe it stays the same too. Yeah, I feel you, but I mean. I definitely relate to you because in earth science, like I, my, the way that my school, uh, school district worked was like in eighth grade, if you were smart 
or I guess like you know smarter than most kids in science, you could take earth science, which is a high school class. So I was in that Heck in eighth yeah. grade, and then my teacher claimed that I never handed in homework, even though I definitely did. This woman was insane. So then I got put back Damn. into regular science halfway through eighth grade. Then I got to ninth grade and went back into earth science, and my teacher was like, yo, you have a 70 right now, and you're not doing any homework? Can you please do some homework? I'm like, why should I? I'm passing, and I'm not doing the homework because it's Hell stupid, yeah. and I already know all this dumb shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> she would beg me. I'm just like, no, like why, like, why should I if I don't need to? It just it didn't make any sense to me. So I totally get that. Yeah, I took a speech class and I didn't do my first speech. And she told me there's n- mathematically there's no way. I just blew it off because I was being a shithead. She's like, <laughs> Math- mathematically, there's no way you can pass this class because you did not do the first speech. And she should have never told me that because then the rest of the semester, <laughs> I just didn't do shit. I just played games on the computer in the computer lab. I, there's nothing else to do at yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah, that, that was game over, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like why would you be there if you're not going to be able to pass the class mm-hmm. at that point? Although, hence, hence why I skipped a lot of school. Although listening to you talk about school now, when I was in fifth grade, I saw on my schedule that like every other day, or like it was like every Wednesday or something random, I don't remember. But there was one day where instead of going to orchestra, I was supposed to go to uh, chorus, which is choir. And I walked yeah. in on the first day and I looked around the room and I was like, I don't want to do this. And I just left <laughs> And I never went to that class, and no one ever said anything to me. But now I kind of wish that I mm-hmm. did, because I'd probably be a better singer now. And like I know that like I can be a good singer, but like I don't know how to do it. And maybe I could have known how if I was not a dumb ten year old being like, I don't know any kids in this class. I don't want to sing. I'm out of here. Yeah, chorus really empowered me. I mean, my director was really empowering too. But like I joined show choir. Do you guys have show choir out there? Um, no. Probably not. It, well, so show choir, you're like singing and dancing on platforms. It's kind of like Glee. No, no but it's we not don't have all that. Acapella. There's a band behind you. Yeah, our just but, our high school has their local theater production. That's that's pretty much it. It's like theater yes. and marching band are very separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like we had we had show choir and you go to competitions and I got like I this is like three weeks after I started singing. And I, he's like, you should audition for the solo. And I'm like, I got the solo and like, I ripped it. Like I won awards for that solo at competitions. And like, if it wasn't for that, I probably, my life would be so different. Cause it just gave me, I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on this thing that I do really well at. Cause it was like the first thing that ever like really empowered me. You know? Do you remember the song? Yeah, it was a Age of Aquarius mix up. So it was like the. That's so cool. Temperatures rising, got my feet on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So then how do you take this experience to music and turn it into playing rock and roll? Well, here's the thing. I was the guy at bonfires with an acoustic guitar, um, as one would be. I was just playing covers and stuff like that. Um, I played my talent show. My Actually, I recorded, I said it was an EP, but I always knew I wanted to do music. Like I had like fully dedicated my life to it at that point. Uh, and so... I had my friend record me uh, in my basement with like her digital camera. And then I extracted the audio, converted it to MP3, burned it to a disc uh, and sold it as my basement EP. Uh, And I sold like 300 copies at my school. Like I hustled the shit out of it. Uh, And I sold the first 10 copies for $5 and then the rest of them for $3. And then, uh, but I made two sets of the first 10 copies for $5. So I made like 
hundreds of dollars off this thing and they they had to shut me down because they i was technically soliciting um wow. but it was cool man like i would walk around the lunch room, I would, you know like when you were at, you know when you're at warp tour and people would be like hey man you have a second to listen to this music i was basically doing that but at my high school very smart i feel like that's a much more like comfortable setting for that kind of thing to happen almost yeah, because the thing about I've always been pretty good at sales. So like the thing about that is once one person in a group does it, everyone else feels obligated. Like they want to be part of that excitement of purchasing it. And every high school kid has like three to five dollars on them. So it was it was pretty easy. It's true. They got to bring it in for the I don't know if your high school cafeteria had this, but we had like a separate there was the lunch line where you got like your actual food. But then off to the side was like a little store that had like cookies and candy bars. And Hell shit yeah, like that. dude. School stores where it's at. Dude, school stores were legit. Yeah, man. They just I don't know how they did it, but every like they weren't the best tasting cookies by far. They weren't bad, but they weren't the best. But for some reason, they just knew how to dial in the perfect amount of chewiness. And mm-hmm. I don't know how. Totally. We had slushies. They were awesome. They were a dollar and they'd have a different flavor like they mix up the flavors. Wow. It was awesome and probably very annoying for teachers, but it was awesome. <laughs> I think the only thing that my high school ever got excited about in the lunchroom that didn't happen a lot was like... A fight? Well, yeah, but <laughs> that was actually a bit thing. more common than, than... There was one kid who threw a chair, just threw a window just because he was bored. Oh. This kid was crazy. Anyway. yeah, That's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, you know, your high school, every day you go in, they have like the weird pizzas or whatever, but then they also have like something that changes pretty much every day. There was there were some days where they had mozzarella sticks, but then they had these things called Mac sticks, which Whoa. were essentially if you took the stuffed crust of a stuffed crust pizza and just got rid of the slice of pizza that's attached to it. Whoa! And that's you could next only, level. and they only gave you two, like when you did it. So that was the day I was like, I'm having Mac sticks and give me double lunch. That was yeah, the day dude, to get the double lunch. You gotta go hard for the good lunch. And, yeah, and once... they were sick. Yeah, we. Uh... Me and my friend always liked the chicken patties. We would double up on on chicken patties. Okay, day. I respect yeah, that. Cool. I respect that. Yeah, yeah, that's man. Long gone are the days when you would get excited about what your school cafeteria was serving. Oh man, <laughs> definitely took those times for granted. But well, yeah, dude, you got to think about those. Like your kind of only choice of the day. So mm-hmm. you really cher- you really cherished it. That's true. true. That's wow, so that's true. That's so sad. But hey man, it seems like you <laughs> cherished so it a little more than than maybe Andrew and I did, sort of taking an entrepreneurial approach. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 that process, right? Selling those CDs and, and getting interest in your music. I'm assuming that's yeah. that led to your first band or Yeah, so um I started just playing acoustically then, like anywhere I could, not like around town, but just like any corner of the school, I would just bring my guitar and play at like at, when we had like events or something like that or football games, I would play. Uh, and like, you know, now that you mention it, I always was trying to make some cash. Like at football games, I would sell pizza slices for $2 from pizzas from Little Caesars, which were only $5. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and incredible. people would buy so it because they, next they didn't level. sell pizza, dude. I, I never even realized dude, this. That's such a big IQ sense. play. So then I met uh, my writing partner, Kyle Culver, who was in the Millennium eventually as well. Like, we started the Millennium. Is that, like acu- five is that years Acoustic after Kyle? That. Acoustic Kyle. You got it right. Acoustic Kyle. I met him on uh, at a Fourth of July bonfire, and we were, we were both like, we're the two guys. It was like a Western showdown. Like, we showed up, we both had the guitars, and I was like, ooh, like, <laughs> someone's got to go. But we ended up just sitting and playing songs we both knew and he would do his classic acoustic Kyle riffage <laughs> over my chords 
And he's like, hey, man, you should come over sometime. And I had known about Kyle Culver because I had been going to local shows and he had an acoustic duo with a girl called Kyle and Savannah. So I'd seen him play a couple times. Um, and to me, I was like, oh, fuck, Kyle Culver. Like, I'm going over to Kyle Culver's house, uh, <laughs> which is so funny now with how, really much funny. Sh- with how much shit I know about him. But uh, all I wanted was to be in a band. Like, when I was practicing in my room, like, bass guitars, and then I eventually led to singing. All I wanted to be in, was in a band. So I'd practice for like two hours a day, but I would put on like mini concerts in my room. Like I would go and like watch band DVDs, look how front, look how like front men do their thing. I would practice mic swings. I would like, and so I would like, I set up like ego risers in my room with like old milk crates. Like I was practicing, like I had boot camp, you know, like that's all I wanted. So that makes so knew- much sense thinking about it. Cause like, I remember like the first time I saw you guys from, I was like, this dude is all over the stage and it is blowing my mind. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, well, it's all I ever wanted for so long. And I knew like, if I just practiced, the opportunity would come where I'd be able to do it. So I just had to put in the work because I didn't want to, I didn't want an opportunity to come that I wasn't prepared for, you know? So yeah, I met Kyle. And then three days later, we're writing our first EP, um, for a band called a semester at sea that we were in. And we did like shows all around town in Minnesota. We did, um, we wrote the record for like three days after I met him. We like just sat in his room and wrote the record for a month. And then we went on an acoustic tour of hot topics. Remember when hot topics would do oh, yeah. concerts for sure. For sure. I do. So we, then we went on like a nine day tour. Um, and it was so fun. It was just me and him and like a, our, my compact uh, Pontiac vibe. And we, oh it's like the time of our life, man. Like we were sleeping in girls backyards. We met at like, one place we stayed like we stayed in her backyard he met her on myspace a few days before and he, we were looking for, for places to stay and we had to sneak into her backyard because she like she had lied to her like she lied to us basically and like so we had to like run into the backyard into the tent because she was having a uh, like a sleepover with her friends in the tent uh man it was fun it was so fun wow that's that sounds like it could be a scandalous story no no man we were pretty <laughs> tired it was after like a six-hour drive yeah, but, like, it'd be a lot cooler if, like, you were, like, yeah, and then we got in there, and there were, like, seven girls in the tent. They were, like, oh, you guys are in a band? <laughs> no, there was only... Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I've never... Unfortunately, I've never been able to flip being in a band to any type of romantic endeavor. Well, listen, it's if never... you if you want to make up a story real quick, we can cut out that first story, and you can just tell a cooler <laughs> story if you want. <laughs> no, man, I think I'm plenty cool the way I am. I don't need to change. Dude, true, Hell yeah, though. dude. Don't change for One Andrew. of the coolest... Fr- yeah, don't change for me, dude. <laughs> so yeah, from there, just naturally, like we were in that band for like four years. Uh, we tried to get it going like the Millennium, but it just never took off. And then um, we met, we had friends in bands around town and that's how we met the guys in a band called Picture Perfect, which is where Tall Kyle, Kyle Featherstone and Sean were in. Um, and then we were like, we should be, we should all be in one band after their band broke up and our band was kind of breaking up and that's how the Millennium started. But the Millennium was going for, a year and a half before we were a full band. Um, it was just me and Kyle. We played the tracks, kind of like 21 Pilots when they started. Like He would play acoustic, I would sing, and then we would just have a full band tracks behind us. Wow, that's uh, pretty ahead of I the just, curve. I just love hearing that Acoustic Kyle like really earned that name. I don't know if I've ever seen him hold an electric guitar, even though I know he definitely has. Okay, so there's one show where he, he used my electric guitar because his his string broke like first song in yeah and this is like man this is like eight years ago now 
and it was so bad. Like he, he just could not play the electric guitar. And since then, I think he's a little like afraid. Oh, like he, he's like the best riffer I know. And like you give him, give him like a clean electric tone. Like in the studio, he can really do great things. But like just like as a rhythm guitar player, he's just too fancy to do like just like pop punk rhythm like low end guitar. He just can't. It, I mean, he's, he's I don't want to say he can't. I don't want to say he can't. He's, I just think that it. It's maybe below his style. Yeah, he's better at the riffage and like the lead stuff. He's just too good for root notes, dude. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would hate that I said that. But <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So hold on, let me get this straight, okay? Because I'm I'm a little on the outside of of your your band and your musical experience. Oh yeah, so. Chris, you're here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good, baby. Um, t- so he only played acoustic, even during the like. All five years of your band, he was just playing Any acoustic. show that I ever saw the Millennium perform, Acoustic Kyle had an acoustic guitar in both his hands. He was only playing acoustic, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. Dude, the sound was great, too, because you had the oh, acoustic guitar, you I had bet. the belting you vocals, know what? you really... had the keyboard. It was all good. Yeah, dude. It really it really filled in, a, like, sonically, it filled in a part that wasn't necessarily there with, like, two electrics. Like, it had a really warm sound to it. For sure, yeah. I mean, I kind of got that off the recordings I've been listening to, like in preparation for this. But yeah, dude, I showed him, showed him Ghost Town, bro, the hit. Oh, that's oh, the hit. Yeah, great yeah. song, dude. So, so then you guys suddenly transition into touring and, and really getting after this music thing. Like, like how's how's that happen? Uh, well, very similar to the entrepreneurial spirit of the of my my yesteryear. Uh, <laughs> before before our first tour, so. Sean at the time was in the band and he knew Timmy from seven minutes in heaven uh, because Sean filled in on a late night reading tour. And uh, so he knew Timmy and like they were partying in a hotel once and Sean was showing him our music. And so on Timmy's first headliner, he's like, I really like your band. You guys should come out and like be the opening slot. Super cool. Without that, we would never had any opportunity, but we knew before that we had to get out East to those markets we were going to play and like get a bit of a foothold. So Sean and I actually went on a month long, we called it the follow tour where we followed panic at disco and, um, neon trees were tours that were kind of, and warp tour were kind of circling around that area at the time. And we hit every market we were going to hit as many times as we could in that month and played acoustically to the lines and sold CDs and like got people interested in our music and like some of our my favorite people who like supported the band came from those shows like those like in the line moments where they gave us a chance and like those are like friendships that i still have that's so cool yeah so we really grinded it out um and then that timmy tour came and it was awesome i mean it was my first time in a van i was just like so excited like that's all i ever wanted since i was like 14 or 15 so like to finally do it it was such a good moment who else was on that tour oh <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean to bring it, <laughs> it that back the, it was the state oh it was the big time of course it was the big time oh it was, it was yes. seven minutes in heaven the big time in the millennium wow along the with, only thing like, you're missing is late night local, reading well our next tour was with hollywood ending i think and it was late night reading dude then i was on that tour you were that's where we met what lineups you got boy. Anyway, yeah, dude. It, I I think it, it was like the it was like the death it was like the death rattle of the swamp. It was like we came at the 
if we would have came on any later, we would have never had those touring opportunities. Yeah, and that then, was kind of the golden age for that, like, select scene. Dude, it was cool, though, man. I, I, I'm so, so grateful that we had that opportunity because there were just shenanigans. Dude. Like, <laughs> at the time, it was so stressful, but looking back, it was, like, the best times. Yes. Like, there was, there was a time in Detroit where it rained so much, all the highways were flooded, and so we had to, like... We had to like snake our way on country roads using like real maps. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is real shit. I hate this right now. But looking back, like that was so fun. We were all so tired and half the van was drunk. And it was just like, man, but it was so fun. Story all of those my little life. things. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there are, there are just too many shenanigans on tour. Like, it's. Uh... like people you know expect you to like come back from tour and be like oh you guys are like wild parties or something i'm like i guess but like the memories that you have for like funny stories aren't like in the hotel room usually it's like outside in the parking lot with like derek derek and timmy and you're like guys calm down they're like nah dude we're throwing cones like what's happening (laughs) or like you go downstairs and derek's wearing a bulletproof vest and you're like where did you even get that yeah, I almost <laughs> set I almost set a venue on fire once. Uh, there you go, there kid. A, there was a place there was a place in Michigan we used to play in Utica, and that we used to cover "Toxic" by Britney Spears. Oh, I we, remember that shit was so sick. Well, thank you. Uh, we so we played that, and the promoter was like, "Holy shit, dude! I love your vibe. I love your vibe. Do you like drinking?" And I was like, "Yes." And he <laughs> he gave me like nine drink tickets. Just for me. He's like, don't share. These are for you. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. And I was like, fuck yeah. Because uh, we were opening, which is awesome. Because you get you get your show done, and then you're just hanging out with your butts. Yes. Like, you don't have to drive. You can just – and I was like, holy shit, free booze. And uh, so me and this – his name was Mike. He was the promoter. We were throwing him back. And then uh, an e-cigarette promotional company came – to the show like they were handing out like free e-cigarettes which is <laughs> fucking crazy oh like my God. and they were you know like what ipods used to come in those really hard plastic shells yeah that's what these e-cigarettes came in and i was super <laughs> hammered and they had an open flame fireplace in in this venue and i was sitting by the fireplace with my Th- friends that's a terrible idea I, and I felt the need to throw this hard plastic and e-cigarette into the fire. And then we forgot about it. And all of a sudden, the fire alarms start going off. And I look over and I'm like, oh, shit. And then <laughs> I like, so like we had to, I don't know if we evacuated. Again, I was like pretty, pretty drunk. And all I remember is Kyle, acoustic Kyle walking out of the green room, looking to see what's going on, sees the flames, then sees me. And he said that I just put my finger over my mouth like, shh. <laughs> and it was and I, it was so fun. I, I'm not gonna say the venue name because I want to be able to play places again. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, I don't think it's your fault because who has an open fire in a concert venue yeah, around alcohol? I was just so... gonna say it doesn't even matter what kind of building <laughs> yeah. it is. If you're selling alcohol, don't have an open fireplace. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's that place just silly. Was... Yeah, that yeah. All right, look, so, so I think this, this episode's been get it's getting long, but I really want to at least bring up your podcast for for at least a minute. Yeah, I have <laughs> no I have no uh, no qualms on time. I don't have to be anywhere for a few hours, so that's fine. But uh, 
How long have you been doing this podcast, Matt's House? Uh, I think my first episode was in January after the new year. Um, and I just, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, but I really like doing it. It's like the first thing in my life that feels really easy and natural. Uh, and like, man, I, like people really like it. And I, it takes, it feels so natural to me to do it. Like music took a lot of effort and it, and you know, it was hard, but this just feels easy. You know, that's why I like doing it. Cause I just like having conversations with people. I can tell you're a great guest. You are. <laughs> this has been very entertaining. The time is, is just flying by. So yeah, that's the best, right? Exactly, man. And I, I want to ask you this. Um, you, you know, I was wondering, cause I listened to a little bit of some of your episodes and in the episode where you interviewed Nate, uh, you yeah. said, you said something along the lines of, he was like you said to him that that was the dream like past tense was but then you have just said now like you know i eventually want to get back to performing shows like don't bring up the name of that venue so where are you at with your creative thoughts at this point in your life oh chris you caught me in a tussie (laughs) you really you really got him in in a hole with that question i i definitely want to still perform it's just that i want to get to a place where i don't care what i'm I don't care so much. I think what plagued me as a creator and why I like the podcast so much is that it it is it seems almost effortless. And it, it feels, because I like doing it so much, it, it feels like just what I'm supposed to do. And music, in a way, became very much something that I was forcing. You know, like, I, I felt like I was running on a clock. And I didn't like that. And it really, I mean, that's, part of the reason the millennium broke up was um, I mean, personal things. I realized that like I let my ego get in the way and get into that creative space. I felt like I had to be somebody had to be like a certain thing. I felt like we had to have a certain sound. I felt like people had expectations, which is like not the place you should be creating from. And um, so that like really closed me up and I was like, why the hell can I create? Why can't I write songs? Why can't like, why can't we make anything that I love? And I think it really just stemmed from all the pressure. We were smothering the puppy, you know, like we were trying to hold on so tightly to what we thought we were supposed to be and what we wanted to be that we didn't let anything. We were just inhaling constantly and no exhale. Like we weren't allowing anything to come in. We were just trying to push, 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 push. Um, and it really just like closed us up. And I got to a point basically where I, I, I looked at the numbers and I said, okay, well, I'm like 27. So either I can double down on the millennium and say, all right, we're doing this. We're, we got to change everything up, but let's do it. Let's take a year off. Let's do, and I like full commit three, four more years, or we could end this, say it was a great time, end it, put a nice cap on it with a final show, which was awesome and try something different whenever that happens and however that comes up. So the podcast kind of just happened because I wanted an outlet creatively. Um, But even in like the last two weeks, I've been just writing more than ever. Um, And it's just been coming natural to me, like just me and a guitar, like it was when I started playing in high school. And I like look forward to that time where I can just write. Um, And so I don't know what's next, but I just wanted to come 
effortlessly and I want I just want to come to me I don't want to try to find it because I think that's what ruined it for me in the first place incredible man um we, we do have to uh unfortunately move on to uh the last the last segment of our show which is which is a new segment where we ask every guest to describe with the first word that comes to their mind what it is they do as far as like a creative and then you can elaborate on afterwards but I just we find it so interesting like the one word they pick Wait, so like defining myself as a creative person with one word? Like like the, the things you do creatively, <clears throat> excuse me, on a day-to-day, like how would you encapsulate your process and what you were trying to do in one word and then elaborate on why you picked that word? Tex-Mex. 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 Okay. I like that. And here's my elaboration. So what I really like to do as a creative person is – uh, it's kind of like a spoonful of sugar lets the medicine go down situation, but that wasn't one word, so I had to say Tex-Mex. Uh, <laughs> so I like to give people a product that is very familiar to them, very comfortable for them to consume. Um, so like in the Millennium, for example, that would have been like all our songs were very pop-driven, catchy choruses. Uh, it, it sounded very familiar to things that they have heard before, but I like to sprinkle in new things or broader ideas than that than those sounds have maybe given them in the past um does that make any sense 100 percent, absolutely so i've had (laughs) tex-mex yeah so yeah so you understand uh so that's why i picked tex-mex because like everyone loves mexican food but tex-mex is a very specific brand if you've had real tex-mex where it has different spices. So like they get you in the door with the Mexican, you love tacos and you're like, what is that new thing in there? I really like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do with everything is cause I, I'm, I come at it I, from like relating to it myself, like things that inspire me. But then I try to put myself into everything as much as I can. Cause really like our differences are where art shines. You're just doing the same thing. I don't like, I, man, I, I've seen so many bands open up for touring packages that we've played where they're just like, I call I would call it the dollar store game where I'd just be like, this is a dollar store, 1975. This is a dollar store fallout boy. Like this, you can't possibly be anything great if you're trying to be somebody who's already great. You know, yeah. 100% man. Now I am so sad to say this right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do have another interview in a little bit. We got to get going and oh, start man. preparing for that. But but I say this all the time. I say it was great, and I'm really sorry we have to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. But I don't no, think man. I've ever meant it as much as I do right now. This was such a delightful well, conversation, man. Yeah. You let me know if you ever want to do a part two. Oh, um, we I, can, oh we for can do sure. a part two. Uh, for sure. Keep us updated with your, your creative projects and keep us posted on your journey, and you're always welcome back. Here's what I'll say. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of 90s hip-hop and a lot of country. That's what I'll say. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm excited to well, hear it, man. I, yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's going to give me something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Just think on that. Just think on that. So with that being said, where can people find you? What can they expect from you in the near future? And, and what song would you like to leave them with? Uh, so we'll leave, the song will be of all things, which is the last song on uh, the Millennium's full-length record, the last release we had. Uh, it really just encapsulates my feelings are like at the end of that project. Um, Cause the last lyric of the, of the record is of all things, I'll soon grow tired. Um, and that's just, I always find myself getting bored and having to move on. But the whole song is kind of about the acceptance of that. And that life is an ebbing and a flowing 
situation. So that that's where I'll leave it uh, sonically. Um, but for me, I mean, I'm all over socials. Um, Matt's House Live is where you'll find me. I've been getting into streaming games lately. I just think that's really fun. Um, so I'm on Twitch and Mixer, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Everything is just at Matt's House Live. Um, and I also have some YouTube stuff coming up too under the same handle. So that's where you'll find anything uh, me related creatively. So amazing. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time, dude. It was a pleasure to to meet you and to chat with you for for an hour. It was it was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. thank you so much, Andrew and Chris. Dude, thanks, Matt. Hell yeah, dude. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, buddy. Bye.
took 